0: Welcome to today's podcast. I speak to Irish folk band The High Kings and you'll hopefully learn all about the song Grace and the Foggy dew, and you'll get context that is needed to understand these songs. Before we begin, to fully understand these songs you need to know the history behind them. But why do these songs live on through generations? I sat down and spoke to worldwide Irish folk band The High Kings and they reckon they have the answer. You're about to tour America again in the coming weeks, so is that a place where, where you guys are popular?
1: Like Absolutely, yes. Popular. We've been touring America since we started it. We're living to our 14th year now. Um, but yeah, we've all been going to America. I mean, we started there in March of 2008, we've been going back several times every year for the fest. There's a big festival, uh, summer festival folk series, and uh, of course, St. Patrick's Day. Of then, you know, a month you go for the entire month six weeks, uh, around February, March, even into April. We're going this time, so it's, it's this is actually going to be our longest tour over there. It's almost eight weeks, seven and a half weeks, and we'll be heading back over in the summer on two occasions as well. So, it's it's a place that's very important to us. There's an awful lot of uh. A lot of uh descendants of Irish people, Irish Americans, <laughs> and they're very into their culture over there. And uh, they've got a, it's it's well set up, so we have a go with that quite a bit. It's great. Uh, why do you think Irish music
0: resonates of FSO and many people around the globe?
2: Stories? Uh yeah, I think, think Finber is right there. It is about the stories, it's about the stories the songs. and um, it's it's about I suppose what we've brought to the old songs as well, because people really want to hold on to their heritage they and the one thing that they do want to hold on to if they if they move away from here, move away from Ireland, is that they just want to hold on to their heritage, their songs, their music, things that they listened to when they were younger and uh when we came out and we did all the new all the old songs, the new way we've done them they that's kind of a link that's why they they hold on to it and then they want to link on through heritage as well you know if if their great grandparents are from from Ireland or their grandparents are from Ireland they just want to hold they have that link through music there isn't any other kind of outlet they can but through music they can hold on to so i think that's what it stands to and i think there's 85 million mm-hmm. Irish, Irish around the world something to that effect
0: and then yeah so and then another one Esme. how do you use I <clears throat> uh, like um, You change, of the uh, tunes mean um, to uh, um, the uh, songs um, quite a bit. So and then, how do you mean um, uh, respect mean um, uh, the old uh, songs? Or um, uh, or me um, uh, try to um, uh, respect
1: them, um, uh, but to like um, uh, bring them into a different um, right. generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the tightrope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's the problem because you can't go. You can, it's good to innovate songs and it's good to, to for bands to, to put their own stamp on a song because it's it's almost like these songs are passing through generations of, of musicians <laughs> and it's like you can just put your, your little tiny mark on it but you can't get too far away from the sentiment of what the song is about <laughs> if you change everything about it then it's, it's not what the song was originally supposed to be about if you stray too far, so it's a very, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough trick to try and uh, thread that needle to do it, you know, but not go too far not venture too far off the, the uh, original sentiment of the song, I
0: think. The first song I wanted to tell you about is a beloved ballad which is written by two brothers, Frank and Sean O'Meara, in 1985. It is a tragic love story and the song is called Grace. It can often be heard at Celtic Park, obviously for Celtic FC home games. This is where Rod Stewart heard the song and decided to record the cover and it has been covered by hundreds of artists like the High Kings, the Dubliners, John McDermott and the Wolf Tones to name but a few. But let's listen to a bit of the song and this version is by the High Kings.
3: As we gather here the chapel here in jail I think about these past few years Will they say we failed from our school days? They have told us we must yearn for liberty Yet all I want in this dark place is to have you here with me oh grace just hold me in your arms and let this moment take me out at dawn and i will die with all Place this wedding ring on your finger. Won't be time to share our love for we say goodbye.
0: Now you may be wondering what exactly is the song about? well it's about Joseph Mary Plunkett who was the youngest leader and signator of the proclamation of the Irish Republic and he married Grace Glifford hours before he was executed by firing squad in Kilmainham jail for his part in the Rising and they'd only spent 15 minutes together under supervision they both planned to marry on Easter Sunday 1916 but the plans had to be postponed for the Rising, and after the marriage Grace lived for a over 39 years and never ever remarried. Now, as I said, the songs can't fully be understood without the full context of Britain and Ireland. Running up to the Rising against British rule during Easter week in 1916, it was marked by significant changes throughout Europe, the main change being the Great War. But we're going to have to go a bit further back than that. So in the 1540s, Henry VIII attempted to reassert British control in Ireland after an attempt in 1196 by Henry II by invading Ireland and enforcing the Anglican Protestantism on the predominantly Catholic country. Most of the counties fell in the war, though the last bit of Irish power was pushed up north to Ulster. So Ireland was finally a part of the British Empire. Then, in 1641, Oliver Cromwell stamped out any attempts of a rising by plundering cities and forcing them out of their homes, and shipped thousands out as servants to places like Barbados. He then banned public practice of Catholicism and took away all literature or symbols, and he even took away land owned by Catholics to be sold to the Protestants. The Irish would pursue independence in many ways over the next few centuries, but would always ultimately fail. In many ways the most successful despite being defeated was the Bloody Rebellion of 1798 which was led by Protestants who were inspired by the French Revolution and joined by Catholics and even a few months in joined by the French army themselves. Then in the 1840s the famine began after a certain Sir Trevelyan claimed the famine was a gift from God to punish the miserable people of Ireland. He was the officer in charge of giving out famine aid and he cut the program and millions starved to death and millions more immigrated away. In 1912 the Irish got home rule, the closest they had to independence, but it wasn't enough for many of them. But just before it was put into law in 1914, World War I broke out and so the UK had to suspend it until the war was over, but when will that be? Many of them could not wait forever, but many of them did join the British Army though, in hopes of home rule being sped up. Others saw the Brits' involvement in the Great War as nothing more than a great opportunity. Thomas Clark, one of the oldest leaders of The Rising and second to be executed, and a pro-Republican newspaper manager, Sean MacDiarmada. They were both leaders of the Irish Republican Brotherhood, and they managed to convince five others. Scottish-born socialist James Connolly, then the youngest leader, was journalist and poet Joseph Mary Plunkett, who I've already spoken about. Thomas McDonough, who trained as a priest before becoming a teacher and later helped find a school along with Padre Pierce. A teacher, barrister and an activist, then the son of an RIC officer and founder of the Irish Volunteers, Eamon Senate. These men didn't want Home Rule, they wanted a full Irish Republic, and they were going to stage an uprising. Especially because England won't be paying much attention to what is going on. They had planned parades during Easter week, where 1,300 volunteers team up and assemble for Dublin as they take the GPO. The next song I want to talk about is called The Foggy Jew. You may have heard of it before, especially if you are Irish, or a Celtic fan, or a fan of the UFC, as it is a walkout song for Conor McGregor. Most people probably haven't heard of it before, never mind know the story behind it, even if they did listen to the Irish folk ballad. Conor McGregor has explained his reasoning for using the song on his website. The main reason, he says, is it is a call to arms to prepare for battle and the fight he is about to partake in the UFC octagon. Now, the song was written by Canon Charles O'Neill in 1919 after attending the first sitting of uh, the Dale, which is the Irish Parliament, and 34 of uh, the members were uh, locked up in prison, and this had an effect on uh, Canon O'Neill, who went home to Penn. The lyrics. He was ordained in 1912 and the song has been covered hundreds of times by many Irish artists. The song is a byproduct of the Easter Rising, and in a similar way to the Fields of Athenry, the song contains references to the bravery of those who fought and died for freedom. The foggy dew highlights all the injustices of the British Empire, and as fighting erupts in Dublin, Pierce read out the proclamation of the Irish Republic, and the flag of war is then raised above Dublin town, as O'Neill puts it. He also says 'twas better to die neath f- than Irish sky than at Zuvla or bar' And that suggests it was far better to die fighting for Irish freedom than fight in far off lands for the crown. And O'Neill questioned those who went off to fight for the king rather than fight for the republic like those in the GPO. He also goes on to write, But had they died by Pierce's side, or fought with Cathhill Brew, their names we would keep where the Fenian sleep. Which basically means that he believes that if they fought with them, their names would have been remembered and honoured in time. In the days through Easter week though, the Brits managed to get more men in, going from 400 at the start to now 20,000. By Saturday, the rebels surrender. Then the leaders of 16 were executed by firing squad. After the executions which went ahead against the advice of the British Prime Minister Henry Asquith who said anything like a large number of executions would sow the seeds of everlasting trouble in Ireland. And after this public reaction began to change as they realised the courage which they had. It is widely said by historians that they were only executed because of the proclamation included our gallant allies across Europe which was taken to mean Germany who did supply them with weapons but it was intercepted before it reached Ireland so equated to high treason. It is also said that this was deliberately put in as Pierce had said before that there must be a blood sacrifice for Irish freedom at least once a century. So he put it in so the blood sacrifice would happen. Many historians saw the rising of the failure, but the British Prime Minister at the time, Henry Asquith, was totally right. And if you we were to bring it forward to today, the Irish got a free state in 1922 until 1937 on my birthday, 29th of December. And then the Republic of Ireland formed on the same day, both occupying 26 of the 32 counties on the Erin Isles. And I have been to the gale where the leaders were executed in the chapel. Comenum, where Joseph and Grace got married and what you see in Comenum Jail or the GPO makes it very hard to see the British Empire's involvement in Ireland in a very good light. Thank you for uh, listening and if you have learned anything please let me know on Twitter and you can find me on at Byron's Blever. And I'll see you out with the Foggy dew and this version is by the Dubliners. Goodbye.
3: It was down the glen one Easter morn oh, was said